are we doing? What am I doing? Lying? Hiding from my friend? What else could you do? Stayed in your bed, met her, met the truth. Oh, come on, that's not the truth, it's cruelty. Look at me, Tysan. Look at me. You're always telling everyone to trust themselves and follow their feelings. Well, that's all you've done. I need to think. It's not just Alice, is it? I know it was good last night. And I know something special happened between us, but you can't admit that, can you? Feel what you feel, Tysan. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 39 of Conversation Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 39, the screenplay was done by Tony Osborne. It was directed by Julian McSweeney. And the episode synopsis read out by Carlin. Lex and Tysan face up to their feelings. Jack struggles with his undercover mission, while Chloe struggles to connect with Patsy. And Ellie might have finally found the story she's been looking for. So as the episode begins, we find out that Lex and Tysan have spent the night together, and the pair are nearly caught when Alice arrives to remind Lex about a meeting, and Tysan feels bad for hiding from her instead of facing her head on. So yeah, panel, how did you react to this development? And do you agree with Tysan that she should have stayed and let everything come out into the open then and there? Uh, first off, I'm not surprised about the two of them ending up in bed together. Because, well, this is Lex and Tysan we're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I actually agree with Tysan in this, that she should have just stayed in bed and let everything come out into the open. <laughs> as painful as that might have been, Ooh. it's... You know, it's at least there wouldn't be that level of lying involved, and you know. But the devastation of seeing her in bed together—you <laughs> would have saw a cat fight if that would have happened. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you know, it would have been horrible, especially for Alice. But yeah, I don't know. It's just I know how much worse it can be to have people hiding stuff from you and learning about it so much later. Whereas when she would have known immediately what was going on between these two, the pain might have been slightly less. She would have feel, felt betrayed. But I, yeah, I just think it might have been better. And I'm genuinely, genuinely surprised that at this point in time, um, she knocked. I mean, nobody in this bloody mall ever respects <laughs> people's boundaries. And yet at the moment when she should have just walked right in, she didn't. No, I think I think if if you really wanted uh, Alice to really catch them in the act and have them have her be uh, told that they're together like that, I think Alice would have been so devastated that she probably would have turned into Ebony for the entire series. Yeah, <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but Sabine, but I think. It, there's a difference between finding out and then seeing them actually together. Yeah. If she had caught them in the act in bed together, that that would have been yeah. absolutely devastating. <laughs> um, I don't know how she would have recovered from that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she would have tried to throw Lex down the stairs or anything. I think she probably would have went on a killing spree and just killed everybody. <laughs> Not everybody. Everybody. <laughs> She, nah. she, it just would have looked like uh, 
like that Anakin scene from Star Wars when he attacked the younglings. No. <laughs> it would have been exactly like that. I, I just can't see that scene happening without there being a bust up between Alice mm. and Tyson then and mm-hmm. then if she'd yeah. caught them in bed together after yeah. everything she said to him but they, she said to Tyson about her feelings for Lex suddenly <laughs> seeing your friend in bed <laughs> with it. Nah, mm-hmm. yeah. and, I, and I guarantee you Lex wouldn't have broke it up <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be too frightened to you he'd be like I'm not getting in between right how embarrassing would that have been? That would have been more embarrassing because everyone would have known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Part of me is just that evil and vindictive that I would have wanted Tyson and Alex to get what's coming to them. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm team Alice on that. It's just I would not have cared if she would have knocked him out there and then. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyson definitely deserves to get knocked out for this, but... <laughs> There's, I mean, what else can you expect from her? She's a homewrecker at her at her storm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but the that little bit of banter between Alice and Lex, yeah, I guess that's kind of worth it. Not having them, ca- having her caught them, because you know, his just his look with her. Yeah, but um, Alice, I don't have any clothes on, and her instant, oh, you knew I was coming. That would have been such a lex thing to say to a girl. Mm, yeah. The situation would have been reversed. You know, where coming from him, I would have felt that was a horrible comment. Coming from Alice, since it's aimed towards Lex, I find it funny. Yeah, it was. I did like that little. <laughs> uh, I can understand the argument for just facing it immediately and getting it over with. I can. I do. Um Sometimes there's how I feel like, let's say if I were Alice, sometimes I feel like I would have preferred to find out immediately like that mm-hmm. than how Alice will eventually find out after everything's been dragged on for a while. But then at the same time, I completely understand, like I can understand why, you know, Tyson's thinking I should have faced her, you know, I should have faced her wrath because sneaking around seems even worse to do and said I should have, you know, took the brunt of whatever she might have to throw at me. Because she deserves the truth. And I, I can respect that. But I can also see Lex's point of view of like, that's not truth. That's just cruel, you know, to uh, do that shamelessly in her face um, with no warning. And so I, I do think maybe Alice finding out seeing them in bed would not have been a way of trying to, well, we're just trying to be honest. Um, it does feel like that's borderline cruelty. I think it would have been better if... Again, in that moment, after Alice has left and they're discussing it, then they went to see her together or hell, even separately. Mm-hmm. This is the time, this is the time for Lex to say, okay, I'm going to put this to bed. I'm going to go talk to Alice and make sure she understands that we're just friends. We are not in a relationship and that. And then Tyson should go to her friend and say, I have to tell you something. Like, mm-hmm. I understand not doing it right then and there because again, that's just obliquely over the top mm. not necessary you don't have to be cruel to tell someone the truth um but now it's you know you guys have done this even if you're not gonna have a relationship you have done this yeah it's you need to tell alice that you've done this mm-hmm. and, and it, again it has nothing to do it's not even if oh tyson and lex want to continue it's tyson needs to tell her friend i did have sex with the guy that i know you're crazy about lex needs to tell alice I don't want to be your boyfriend. And in fact, I am sleeping with other women. Um, she needs to know, but I don't think 
doing it that way would have been the best way. So I do understand why the initial instinct was to hide and then be like, what are we doing? You know, how do we deal with this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like they've had time to think about it. They were caught up in the moment. They were caught up in the passion. And, you know, Tyson was like, I do need to get out of here before anyone sees me. And then, you know, they got distracted. (laughs) So... Yeah, there's like no right way to tell Alice or to tell anyone in this type of situation, but there's definitely a wrong way to to tell somebody. And I think in the middle of the act, (laughs) purposely being caught, uh, that's definitely the worst way to go about it. I mean, if your partner wants to end your relationship because they've fallen for somebody else, how would you prefer them to tell you to sit you down and say, look, um, my feelings have changed and I've fallen for someone else? Or would you prefer to come home and find them in your bed? I wouldn't want to find them in my bed because that would tell me my partner didn't even care about hurting my feelings. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I would prefer my partner to sit down and just tell me that way because Mm -hmm. like, you know, I deserve the truth, but they don't want to hurt me more than is necessary to give me that truth. I mean, for me, it's more to, if she would have caught him now, she would have been spared all the lying. No. That was more my point. You should watch some cheater episodes, Sabine. That's not how it would have went down. <laughs> she could have still been spared the lying without catching mm-hmm. it. This is a choice yeah. Tysan and Lex choose to make after the fact. Mm-hmm. They choose yeah. to turn it into a lie when it didn't have to be. So I don't feel like that's the only way she could have been spared because they still had a choice to do something about it and give her the truth. They were the ones who chose to lie to her. I just feel it would have been better than... You know, having to wait for all the lying. Well, you know what? It depends on the character on how, because everyone's going to react different to that situation. Someone like Alice, I would believe that she's going to put her hands on somebody for being so uh, angry and whatnot. If it was someone like Ellie, then I can just see her making a pouty face and then blogging about it. (laughs) Alice also does, she's not an entirely 100% innocent party in all this. Again, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying she deserves any of this, but Alice is the one assuming there's a relationship that's not actually happening. She has gotten no confirmation that she's in a relationship with Lex. And we'll see that later when she and Tyson are talking about it. She knows she, she just wants to believe, you know, she doesn't have any confirmation. Lex has not come out and said, I like you. I want to be my boyfriend. Will you be my girlfriend? He has not been romantic towards her aside from a kiss in the barn when he thought she was going to die, you know. Um, so Alice has a small percentage of the blame here by basically creating a relationship that's not there. It's not unlike Trudy doing that to Bray in season one and expecting him to behave like a boyfriend despite the fact that he wasn't a boyfriend. And she's well aware he wasn't her boyfriend, but it's what she wanted him to be. So she just, that's the reality she chose to live in despite the fact that Bray did nothing to reinforce that fantasy. He was just her friend. And Alice, too, is because she's choosing to believe this thing and ignore any evidence or even go and get herself genuine clarification from Lex that are we in a relationship? She does bear some of the blame for this situation. Smaller, much smaller percentage, just saying. Like, she's not a complete innocent party in this because nobody should go about their life making these kinds of assumptions about their relationships with anybody. You cross boundaries when you do that to people, you know? She's crossing boundaries. Like, we know that Alice thinks she's in a relationship with Lex, but Lex is not in a relationship with Alice. So the way she behaves with him is crossing boundaries. 
but she's choosing to do that because she's just told herself, he's my boyfriend, I can do those things. And if he was, maybe you could. But despite his body language and his behavior showing her that he does feel uncomfortable with this behavior, she does it anyway, you know, because, oh, I'm your girlfriend, so it's okay. And instead of thinking, gee, he seems really like he doesn't want to do this, maybe I should ask him about it, she just makes up an excuse in her head as to why he does that, because it's what she wants to believe. And um, it's like, sweetie, come on. If If you're wondering why he behaves that way, you ought to ask him why you should make sure you're checking with him you're you're not checking in with your part your so-called partner here you know no yeah i was, I was just thinking about how sad the whole thing is <laughs> though i did yeah. enjoy lex kicking tyson off the bench <laughs> <laughs> i love when she pokes her head up and she's like what are we doing what are we doing this is ridiculous <laughs> just uh, the you know throwing a pillow over it as well <laughs> <laughs> It's such a difference to how um, I, I love the contrast of the first time they did this and this to the second time. Like the first time, Tyson, she clearly did not care. She had felt nothing except physical pleasure and was like, bye. You know, she just felt like a whisper in the wind. And um, this time she doesn't want to go. She knows she has to and she doesn't really want to think about the reality right away. She actually quite enjoyed herself and um, is being upfront about that and um i'm like you can already tell the dynamic between them has changed it's, it's just really cool <laughs> you're going to be on your own chloe no i'm not you've seen how all of the others are turning into couples they won't care about you then not like we do no one survives alone not in this world petsy what are you talking about what's she saying to you she's doing something to you isn't she i know she is then you're stupid. Pets, what's she doing? What's she saying? You don't know what's coming. No one does. But you're going to need us, Chloe. Patsy gives Chloe a present from Trudy, which turns out to be this really creepy jack-in-the-box, and she cautions her about ending up alone. And it's interesting that we see Chloe seems to understand that Trudy's kind of indoctrinating Patsy in her head with all kinds of weird things, but Patsy doesn't take Chloe's words of warning. And later, Chloe does seem to take Patsy's words to heart as she later snaps at Ryan and Celine when they ask her why she's playing alone and wonders if their reconciliation means that they won't care about her anymore. So yeah, panel, a lot to pack, pick through here. Um, so we've got Trudy's behaviour and the menacing gift, Chloe noticing the kind of indoctrination and feelings of being alone. So yeah, what did you think about all of this? It's a nice window into understanding how the Chosen operate. Um, how they, and it gives you an idea of exactly what Trudy likely went through. Um, the idea that they love to preach that it's all about love and, you know, that what they're doing is helping, but it's only if you agree and, uh, do what they want, then it's sweetness and light. But we see the way Trudy is with Patsy, um, how abusive her behavior is becoming with Patsy and the things that she's saying to Patsy. These are some twisted things that she's saying to this child and um, how Chloe, like Trudy never tries to win over Chloe. She doesn't even try to make another attempt to win over Chloe. If anything, she's decided to torment Chloe and scare Chloe for not going along with what's going on. And um, it's pretty risky, honestly, that she's even doing this. I don't 
really know why. It almost seems like there's a personal vindictiveness to why she's targeting Chloe this way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one thing to come between she and Patsy. You know, it's one thing for her to see Chloe as a threat to her control over Patsy. But I do feel like, you know, Trudy might be enjoying having this kind of power just a tiny bit too much because this isn't necessary to keep the girls separated from each other. Uh, you already got your, your whispers in Patsy's ear. You do not need to be tormenting Chloe and scaring her um, to keep her away. That's just going to draw more attention to your behavior. And you don't want that, do you? Mm-hmm. You know, Trudy? But it's also very Guardian-esque because we see him do the same thing later on. And um, yeah, it's just, it's very creepy. And I, it, it, I feel bad for Chloe because she reminds me of any child who has witnessed abuse or is going through abuse and cannot articulate what it is she's going through and nobody's listening to her because she's a child. Because every time she says something, the authority figures in her her family immediately change what she's saying to them. Like, it couldn't be what you're actually saying, so maybe it's this instead. Instead of actually listening to Chloe or asking her to elaborate why she feels mm-hmm. the way she feels. And we see that happen with kids all the time when they try to speak up about some abuse they had. They may not have the words to tell you exactly what it is. So a child might come to you and say, I'm scared of this uncle, this aunt, this teacher, this person, my neighbor. I'm scared of them. And the, they all sound like those parents who go, oh, sweetie, you don't have to be scared of them. Instead of asking, how come? How, how come you're afraid of them, sweetheart? Find out what's going on. And it's just, it's, a, it's really disturbing seeing Chloe be gaslit by people who love her, despite knowing something is very wrong, you know, and nobody seems to care to find out what is wrong. Yeah. Um, first off, that doll is beyond creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was Sasha's. Yeah, it, that's that only makes sense. But uh, I would <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought Trudy was trying to put like cast a spell on on Chloe or something. Uh, yeah, it looked that freaky, like witchcraft or something. But um, this was a bit heartbreaking for me to watch because I do feel that Chloe and Patsy are like the best friendship in the entire series, and I think we've all kind of experienced being close to someone and then just them kind of fading away in life and not really, you know, having the time to talk to them or spend time with them. So I kind of felt that uh, when I watched Chloe in this episode. It's that first look at that very, very creepy Jack in the box. Just, ah, I wonder how on earth she manages manages to get a gift like that. (laughs) And nobody would wonder where it came from, but Chloe doesn't even mention it to other people. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely creepy, and she doesn't go to anyone with a, oh my god, look what Patsy just gave me from Trudy, you know? Because she had actually proven her hands that Trudy was being insane, or at least acting insane. Yet, she didn't show it to anyone. And then, some of the words that Patsy said, it just, it made me think about how much Patsy knew. Because... Patsy mentioned something big was coming and nobody would be prepared. Nobody knew what it was going to be. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it made me wonder how much Patsy already knew. It's just, she wouldn't have known everything, but you know, I, I keep wondering what Trudy told her. Patsy later confirmed for us that she knew the Chosen were coming. Mm-hmm. And she was, but the reason she hadn't said anything about it is because Trudy had made it sound like it would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's what she tells. Because Chloe's like, why haven't you told anybody, Patsy? She's like, I don't know. Trudy made it sound like it'd be wonderful. And we'd be all together. And we also get to see a scene later where yeah. Trudy does uh, describe what it's going to be like to Patsy. And um, Patsy's like, when? When does it happen? You know, because, of course, she's eager for this beautiful thing to happen. And um, so I, I do think she, by now she actually does know the Chosen are coming because Trudy has explained she's reformed what the Chosen are for Patsy already. And it's going to be beautiful, Patsy. We're finally going to have that gorgeous unity and uh, yeah, all going to be together. I find it really unsettling the threats that Patsy is using against Chloe, how she's doing it, too, because this is what's been drilled into her head by Trudy already and saying how you're going to be alone you're going to need us and it makes you realize how much Patsy has already told Trudy about how the girls felt so isolated Mm -hmm. from everyone else and forgotten by everyone else and that she's been using this and so it's the perfect thing to target Chloe with you know Um, and it's no wonder Chloe does feel completely isolated her best friend really was the only companion she could count on Trudy's managed to separate that. And that's, again, another part of cult behavior and indoctrination. You separate people, you clo- you cut them off from the others they might depend on so that they only have you. And uh, hearing those words out of Patsy's mouth and just knowing what P- Trudy's doing to her behind closed doors, just repeating that cycle, really, really unsettling. Yeah, and a clear hint that something is wrong with Trudy at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no denying it now. <laughs> Yeah, there's been something wrong with Trudy. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that she even goes to Ryan and Celine, it's yeah, it's it's kind of heartbreaking just to see, you know, the the questions on the face of this little girl and how nobody will listen to her. But ah, that doll that was just too creepy. People. What's mostly creepy about that doll is knowing that Trudy had to do that to the doll. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to find a jack-in-the-box with a doll that looks like that ready-made off the factory floor. Nope. So she had to find someone who had done it themselves, you know, a Sasha-type character out there mutilating dolls, or she had to find something, a jack-in-the-box with a doll, and then mutilate it herself. Like, that's really messed up. Like, are you serious? What the frick is going to your head? <laughs> like, Trudy, okay. Time to sedate you. <laughs> yeah. I do I do think it's interesting that Chloe doesn't show it to anybody because as you said, mm-hmm. she has evidence that there's you can't explain away why like if you showed this to someone and said, This was a gift to me from Trudy, who in their right mind could try and rationalize that gift? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, no who at that point, like who could possibly say it's a misunderstanding? If, you know, they, if Chloe said, look at the gift that Trudy gave to me, you know what I mean? Um, how is Trudy going to talk? Ty Sam would argue it. Ty Sam would argue it. How is Trudy going to argue that if someone confronts her and says, did you give Chloe this gift? What the frick? Why? What is wrong with you? I would have loved to hear it. Trudy would have just, she would have denied it. I would have loved to hear it though. I would have loved to hear the explanation she'd have to come up with. She gave that gift to Chloe with full, full belief that Chloe wouldn't tell anybody about it. Because mm-hmm. that's really messed up. Yeah. What are you going to say? Even if you say, I didn't give it to her. It's like, well, then you're throwing Patsy under the bus. Now, what's Patsy supposed to say? 
you know, and how does that damage your relationship with Patsy? If Patsy just takes the blame for you and says, yes, I did it. I was mad at Chloe. You know what I mean? But what does that do to she and Trudy's relationship? It's just, it says something about how confident she feels about what she's doing. That that didn't seem to cross her mind. She was not worried that Chloe would take this to somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of mental health going on in this episode. <laughs> because when Jaffa did this stuff to Trudy, it was clear there was no one she could go to. She couldn't tell anybody else what he was doing to her. But Chloe isn't surrounded by strangers who are crazy. You know, she does have family who, as dysfunctional and distracted as they are, they are family. She could go to somebody and tell them. So Trudy's really taking a chance here. I'd like to know what was going through her mind to do so. I, th- I think she was honestly either, you know, trying to freak Chloe out or just make it seem like tr- like Chloe had it out for her. Like Chloe was doing that in order to make Trudy look bad. That That's all I can come up with. Because that's probably what Trudy would have gone for if, you know, if, if Chloe would have showed it to someone. She would have probably just claimed that she had nothing to do with it, but Chloe was trying to make Trudy look bad for spending so much time with Patsy or something like that. I would respect the storyline if they'd actually gone that route because they don't give a good reason for why Chloe doesn't take this proof. I mean, she has no problem telling other people there's something wrong with Trudy or I'm upset with Trudy or I'm not talking to Trudy. I don't want to be around Trudy. She doesn't have a problem telling people that. So it does seem a little odd that she wouldn't take this hard evidence to someone. Yeah. You know, and I think they. Well, I can kind of come up with reasons why I think the writers sort of took the lazy way out by avoiding, they took, they lost an opportunity by not having Chloe tell someone, because as I think what you've got there, the way Trudy could have turned this around on Chloe would have been a beautiful uh, demonstration of her manipulation tactics and um, what she's learned from The Chosen, how to spin something like this. And it would have been even more upsetting watching the others believe that lie, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, well, she, yeah, you know, she could be jealous. She's a little girl. Of course she's jealous that Patsy prefers to be with Trudy. And she's been complaining about Trudy from the start, how quickly they would believe something like that. So they don't have to confront dealing with Trudy anyway. I think they missed an opportunity there. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think the reason, one of the main reasons why Chloe didn't tell anyone else is because she could see that it wasn't just Trudy anymore, that it was affecting Patsy? All the more reason to tell somebody. Yeah. Again, I can infer reasons for Chloe on my own. I can. The psyche is an interesting place. People do mm. a lot of things and don't do things. We don't always understand why. It's not a logical place most of the time. I just wish they'd actually either given a reason or explored it um oh yeah definitely um i I definitely would have liked to have seen if it was this was a test from trudy to patsy to give this box to 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 chloe probably that would actually make some strange form of sense yeah which to follow on then would have made sense that patsy would have covered it up if she was found out but Mm -hmm. yeah it would have been nice to seen this explored and developed more a nice consistency with the chosen people in authority and the chosen constantly testing those under them. Yeah. Because, I mean, this whole thing is just one big test for Trudy. Mm-hmm. That's all this is, is Jaffa testing her. And now Trudy, and Trudy spends this entire time testing Patsy. Yeah. I can handle this. I just need to work out how. <laughs> well, look, Jack, you need some help out there. Why don't I kind of... No, no, look, I, all I want to know is that you're safe. I hate this. We never see each other. 
Why can't they find someone else? Well, because there isn't anyone else. Do you want me to talk to Dal? No. No. I mean, you keep away from him. Jack. Ali, I'll see him and when we get back, I'll, um, we'll spend some time together. Okay? Promise? Promise. Jack is caught in Ebony's office yet again and has to think quickly to talk himself out of trouble. Rather shaken, he later relates his close call to Ellie. He doesn't want her to get involved that this might put her in danger. He then reaches out to Dow at the farm. And after reminding him what a good team they used to make, Jack suggests that they freelance their skills together. But Dow is only interested in his farm dreams and doubts Jack's own concern for other people's problems. Jack finally admits that he needs help with Ebony, which Dow eventually agrees to. So yeah, panel, I mean, what do you make of Jack not wanting to put Ellie in danger, but then trying to get Dow back on his side and placing him in danger instead? Jack, you're testing my nerves. You really are. <laughs> I understand that you are afraid. I even feel bad that you're being put into danger by your friends and who are completely discounting how terrified you actually are or, and who are unconcerned with how much danger they're putting you in. That does not give you leave to continue being such an a-hole to other people. Fine, he doesn't want Ellie to get hurt. That makes sense. She's his girlfriend. It's first kiss. First girl who's ever been interested in him. He is not going to put her in jeopardy. I get that. Uh, but the way he turns to Dal, the nerve of him to turn to Dal, um, and try to play on the nostalgia of the friendship they had before Jack threw it in the garbage disposal. Yeah. How dare he? How dare he pull that with Dal? And the fact that Dal, who at first is like, screw you, I'm not helping you. I don't give a crap about your problems. We're not friends anymore. You are an a-hole. And then falling for it anyway, because he can't stop caring about Jack. I just, the whole thing is slimy. Mm. It really disgusts me. Uh, <laughs> I know you have a lot more issues with Jack than I do. It's just, if I think about who on earth would Jack go to if not to Dal? Mm. There is nobody else. There's nobody else that Ebony would believe needed to help him. And, you know, even with everything that Jack's done to Dal, I kind of get why he goes to him. Because he is terrified. He's just at that point where he's so afraid of his life of his own life, that he doesn't care what he has to do anymore. As long as there's someone there with him and he knows that if it comes down to it, you know, in a time of need, Dell would be the kind of person that would help him, that would help him escape if need be. Oh, I understand why he goes to Dal. It's obvious mm. why he goes to Dal. That doesn't make his behavior any better. I don't care how scared he is. He treated Dal like garbage. And just even what you said, he knew Dal would help him. That is how Lex has treated Ryan. Yeah. I like I'll I can treat you like the scum of the earth, but I know you'll have my back anyway. Doesn't make it any better. I can completely understand Jack's motives. He's still a jerk. <laughs> it's still a really terrible thing to do to somebody. Uh, you know, I understand he's scared. I understand he, he's like, I will do anything. It's not like he goes there to make peace with Dal. You know, he doesn't apologize for how he's treated him. And, yeah. you know, it's all just, I'm a selfish, I'm just a selfish twat. And I'm going to, you know, reach yeah, on. Does, does Jag really 100% realize how much of an a-hole he's been to Dal? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> if he Jack... doesn't realize this, that he's that much of an asshole, then why would he apologize? Sabine, you have said yourself that 
Jack and Ellie are of an age where they should know how to treat people. They should have already learned these lessons. Jack should know better how to treat someone. If Jack is at this age and hasn't realized the way he's treated Gal is wrong, there's no hope for him. I don't feel bad for him. I'm sorry. Mm. I do not feel bad if he's reached the age of 14 and still thinks that what he's done to Dal is okay and that he doesn't need to apologize for treating someone that way. That doesn't win him any points in my book. It's not a defense against him. It's, I mean, it's not a defense for him that, oh, he just doesn't know any better. That's total crap. That's <laughs> total crap. Yeah, it's absolute trash. And I mean, it's not surprising. This is Jack. It's Jack. <laughs> this is what he does. I can feel both sorry that Jack has been put into the position he has and still completely demolish him with criticism for how he's behaving. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. You love criticizing Jack and everything he does. But I only criticize what's worth being criticized. You know, I, I blame Bray. I blame Bray for this. <laughs> I don't think Jack was even qualified to do the whole spying on Ebony to lead, off, lead to all of Nope. It. Don't even get me started on Bray and Danny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, it was quite shitty because, like, they're at the farm and there's Dal showing him the dream that him and Amber had. And then Jack's just like, yeah, 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 I, I need you to. I need you to do my thing. Forget your thing. I need you for my thing. It's just. I mean, it was it was a nice little insight from Dal to see call back to what he wanted to do, his own dreams. Like, what did you make of that little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, is anyone surprised? Is any surprised that Jack didn't care about Dal's dreams? What you know, Dal reminiscing on his friendship with uh, Amber and how being here makes him feel happy and peaceful. Is it any surprise to anyone that Jack didn't care about that? Mm. No, it's not a surprise. Of course, he doesn't care. Uh, he, he could even fake an interest, like, "Oh, that's good, Dal, but um, <laughs> you know I mean, can we put that on hold for a minute and help me with this more uh, urgent thing?" Was not they didn't do it either. It was like all I'm seeing in this episode is a bunch of characters that need to be slapped: <laughs> Tyson, Jack, Danny, and Bray, and maybe Trudy for giving that doll. <laughs> uh, Jack just he doesn't learn empathy for other people, and probably until his chosen imprisonment. And he comes back to find his entire world has changed and everything he depended on is gone. You know what I mean? I I think that was a big wake up call for Jack. It's only then do we actually start to see a change in him as a person who actually starts to care for others and starts putting others ahead of himself. Um, But right now he's just still not there. He still does not care. He hasn't had that development yet. And so, yeah, it's terrible what Dal, uh, Bray and Danny are doing to Jack. It's terrible they're putting him in this position. I'm sorry that he's so scared. That doesn't excuse his other behavior. It's still not okay um, what he's doing to Dal. And I re- again, I really hate how he is leaning on the friendship they had in order to get Dal to do this. The friendship he callously threw away. The friendship he yeah. clearly didn't give a crap about. And now he's going to lean on that to guilt Dal into helping him. Mm-hmm. Um even when Ellie suggests Dal, because she sees that he's scared, and she's like, what about Dal? Like, she offers her help first, you know, and Jack doesn't say, no, Ebony wouldn't believe it if I brought you. He just doesn't want her to be hurt. Okay, that's awesome. I'm glad that he feels that way. And then she goes, well, what about Dal? He doesn't say, I don't want Dal to be hurt, or no, that would be dangerous for him too. Uh, he just says, no, you stay away from Dal. Even now, even in this moment, all he cares about is making sure his girlfriend doesn't talk to another guy, you know, and um, there's just there's just no excuse for the way he treats Dal. There's just none. Bless Dal's heart. He's a better person for 
you know, as mad as he is at Jack, knows his friend is a selfish twat, he still agrees to go and help him. Even though he knows Jack doesn't deserve it, he just cares about Jack that much that he's like, all right, it's my, I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm going to make this choice. I can't sleep at night knowing that my friend is going through this. He may not care about me, but I can still care about him. That's a choice I'm making. Dell's a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a better person. He's also a pushover. I don't think that's fair to say. <laughs> you said it, Carlin. <laughs> he's a pushover. <laughs> Can't let people walk over you like that. He's been letting people walk over him since he's been on the show. And I think that's unfair, or at least for me as a viewer, that we never really get to see Dal kind of transition into a better character to where he is more confident, whereas everyone else went through that. I don't know. I feel like Dal is confident in his choices. And I mean, he had no problem telling Dal and Bray, they go screw themselves. (laughs) You guys aren't (laughs) telling me what to do. And he even tells Jack, he gives him good advice. Like, dude, just tell them you won't do it. You know, you don't have to have them walk all over you. I don't feel like he's being a pushover by choosing to make the choice to help Jack. It's just the kind of person Dal is. He said no at first, and he was adamant about that. But he changed his mind simply because in his heart cares about this person. I don't think that makes him a pushover. He is able to stand his ground when he it's necessary. But just because you choose to help someone doesn't mean you're being a pushover. Mm. It's a fine line. Fair point. Um, I mean, just a side note about this whole thing because it just made me smile. I, I really loved Ebony's joyful reaction at the light in her office working. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice to see her smile <laughs> and laugh even for a moment. It was like, <laughs> it was a nice moment for her. You get the sense that she almost likes Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she admires his intelligence. You know, like he's, you know, I think she's being sincere when she's like, you're a handy guy and you could freelance. If you did, I would offer you protection. It's great mm-hmm. advice. It's such good advice. Yeah. And she's, she's telling him, dude, you have a skill set. Mm-hmm. Don't let people just use it. You could sell it, you know, and um, she's complimenting how good he is at what he does. And uh, yeah, I get the sense she actually kind of likes Jack, you know. Yeah, and we did see that earlier, you know, with the last episode where she was just, you know, she had that look towards him with just, okay, Jack, I'll give you this, you know. (laughs) I know you're lying, but fine. Well done for trying. And I, yeah, I I think he has, to some level, earned some respect for from her because he can offer things that other people can't. At least none of the locals are useful enough to, you know, actually do things like that. He is someone who often tries to hide her intelligence, mm-hmm. like her book smarts from other people because of her reputation, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So she does respect intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. and people who have an a useful skill set. And, um, so it's, it's a kind of, it's a, just, there's cool moments. She's so much happier being out of the mall. You can tell she can, mm-hmm. bre- she can breathe and she can do what she does. Mm-hmm. She's an element and she's a lot more cheerful. I'm just remembering the last time she was on her own, you know, in that hotel and Bray had to come and break her and rescue her while breaking out. She's come a long way since the end of season one mm-hmm. and not as in being a better person, but more to with all the things that happened to her. And yet here she is back again on top, or at least on top in her own hotel in charge, like she used to be. I do think it's interesting that her reputation is still so important to her. 
that doubt uh, that Jack is able to bluff her out of changing the paintings. Yeah. Because of what people would think of her if she had a Monet up there. She was happy to find that thing. She thought it was a beautiful work of art, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it meant something to her to have something so valuable in her office, you know, in her office, not her bedroom, not a private place. She wanted people to see that she had it. She was very proud to have found this thing. And Jack was able to talk her out of it just by like bringing out what people might think of her for having mm-hmm. it. And just like that, she's like, just toss it in the trash. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nice play, Jack. But damn, Ebony, it's a beautiful painting. Put it in your bedroom. <laughs> First, Daddy, now Ebony. Well, Ebony wanted to actually utilize it. You know what I mean? Like, she's interested in the painting. She wanted to put it up. You know, she likes it. She showed appreciation for the painting. But Danny was interested in paintings, but for no reason. There was no reason given, like, oh, I want that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I want to have it in my bedroom or something like that. She's just flipped out about painting. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, sticking with Ebony, on a visit back to the mall, she does report to Bray about the current situation in this city, admitting that the Bray's methods of fostering peace between the tribes appears to somehow be working. Bray, however, isn't sure that he can trust her, but Danny is feeling the same feeling, and she's feeling quite upbeat about it all. Um, I mean, easy question here. Are the mall rats completely blinded to the approaching chosen threat? Chosen threat. What are you talking about? I think in reality, yes, the mall rats are very, very blind here. While Ebony may not be, Bray absolutely is. Because he's he's all too happy believing all will be well. You know, it's It's just impressive just how much their heads in the stand like, yeah, this is all over. Trudy's back, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Bray is a master at Putting his head in the sand when it really matters. It's just a pattern of behavior from him and Danny. Like, they don't ever solve the problems that they actually have in the mall or with the city. Um, but they always have these these moments over and over again where they say something like, I think things are going to finally work out. You know, everybody's getting along. And it's like, yeah, they're getting along today. You still haven't solved the problem or the conflict from yesterday. <laughs> you guys still haven't actually worked with the tribes to make the city better you just got everybody on board to look out for the chosen apparently but i don't know like in another episode danny's gonna be upset about the chosen again you know what i mean like they're really inconsistent Mm -hmm. about whether they think things are good or they're not and i don't know i don't think they handle that very well they're just kind of in and out of this everything's great look at us it looks like things will finally work out for us but then we never actually see them try to solve the problems and so these moments where they feel hopeful don't feel earned, I guess. Oh no, it just feels like they're oblivious to just about everything. Yeah, and sticking with the chosen, uh, in an attempt to distract her from worrying about Jack, Danny suggests that Ellie find a good news story for Amulet. And when a trader from up north by the name of Wolf arrives at the market, Ellie's delighted to find out that the Amulet reached his home a hundred miles away, and is even more delighted to find out that the chosen may no longer be a threat. Um, so yeah, what did you make of that sudden revelation that? everything with the chosen was over so much to think about with that but it's just it feels too convenient wolf might as well have a neon sign flashing over his head (laughs) well he does i mean for goodness sakes this guy has a doll that looks exactly like jack 
with a shirt made with the same print as the shirt Jack was wearing. You know, he knew why he was coming there. I mean, kudos to him. He's really good at his job, like what he's Mm -hmm. meant to do. But yeah, it's just, as you said, it's too convenient. He knew exactly who he was supposed to seek out, who he was supposed to talk to, how to butter Mm -hmm. her up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a little too convenient, all of this. And yet he still managed, the actor does such a great job that if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. that he could slide right under your radar because he comes across so genuine as he's talking to Ellie. He's so playful. He's got, he's very, he plays a very likable, you know, mm-hmm. to the point where you, if you weren't, again, paying attention, you'd be like, I like this guy. I hope he joins the cast, you know? What a name, though. His performance is great. Don't like the rug piece on his head, but I like him. It's fitting, though. I mean... Two on the nose. It's a bit two on the nose. (laughs) The hair looks like a sheep, and they named him Wolf. A sheep in wolf clothing. Come on. (laughs) Um, I just think, once again, uh, Ellie's journalism... Now, I get it. She's desperate to hear anything about The Chosen, and I'm still like, Jaffa, tell me your secrets. How have you managed to get nobody to leak news about The Chosen? I still want to know how that's possible. But the fact that this guy shows up at the marketplace, gets Ellie's attention, has a puppet that looks just like Jack, conveniently comes from far away, is very interested in her newsletter. To you know, He knew exactly what to say for Ellie to want to interview him and talk to him. And she's showing him around what she does. He knew exactly what to say to her. And then to conveniently like, did you not hear? You know, like they're chosen or finished. But he he doesn't have any real specifics about it. I want to know what the interview was. Like, I want to know what he told Ellie that convinced her to print this as the truth, as a fact. She has one source, one <laughs> random source that she literally just met who just conveniently swooped into the city on market day. And she's going to print his word as fact. Like, and you check- know what? You know why she's doing that, though? It's he's so desperate to be able to write anything at this point, and all her information, she could never find anything about the chosen here. No one knew anything. And then this guy showing up telling her, oh, yeah, but haven't you heard then? They're finished. <laughs> that would explain why she wouldn't hear anything. She does nothing to confirm her source. Yeah. Because there isn't a way for her to confirm her source. Now, I she could have still had a really good story by printing what Wolf had to say without saying the chosen are finished. You know what I mean? She could have just simply brought this up as speculation. She wants to print what people are saying about the chosen. She could have printed this. But to print it so irresponsibly and say that because of what he said, this is an absolute fact. The chosen are finished. They're gone. I have no way to confirm this, but this one strange guy I met told me, so it must be true. I because yep, he's the only one who was willing to tell her anything. I'm like, wow, are you, are you serious, Ellie? Are you serious? Are you that obsessed with headlines? Are you that obsessed mm-hmm. with having the story that you're not going to yeah. do the, the legwork to make sure the story is accurate? Because yeah, she could yeah. have asked him where he's from and traveled in that direction. He doesn't even give her a specific name of where he's from. Just 30 miles away. That's all. Show me on a map, Wolf. 
<laughs> yeah, I also have a theory that I think uh, Wolf is so good. The reason why Wolf is so good at knowing who to talk to and whose buttons to press and how to be so, I guess, incognito to everyone is because he probably talked to Trudy way back when she was like in uh, captivity with the, the Chosen. Of course he did. <laughs> well, yeah, it's confirmed for us, you know, yeah. when we find out that he's a spy, just like her. That he's been clearly fed this information. He knew exactly. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly who to seek out. He didn't go after anybody else in the Mallrats. Nope. Again, that puppet. That puppet. Come on. <laughs> that is so on the nose. <sighs> Lufus for Jack's hair, though. For the puppet's hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then a shirt that's so much like the shirt he was wearing in this episode. That would be a great souvenir to keep that puppet <laughs> from the- mm-hmm. if they were auction that off. I'm pretty sure that would be uh, pretty amazing. Oh, and speaking of it's not on here, but speaking of the newsletter, um, something that happens between Ellie Bray and Danny that annoyed me. And I don't know how you guys felt about it. Please let me know. Ellie goes to them telling them the genuine concern for Jack, that Jack is terrified about being at Ebony's you know, do something. You can't keep forcing him to go there and put himself in danger. And how Bray's just like, sorry, Ellie, it needs to be done. You know, screw Jack's feelings, screw his autonomy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> screw his safety. It needs to be done. None of us out, none of the rest of us can do it. Um, and the way Danny swoops in and gives her something else to think about. And it was like, on one hand, it almost could be considered a nice thing. But at the other time, you're just like, if this was just a distraction so that she and Bray wouldn't have to answer for what they're doing to Jack. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's what you do with little children. If you don't want to answer the stupid questions or the the hard questions, you distract them with a cookie. And this is Ellie's cookie. Uh, It was just like, you two are just horrible. They don't (laughs) care that Jack is scared. They don't care that Jack is in danger. They don't even say, let's think about this. There's got to be a better solution to ensure Jack's safety or ensure his freedom, you know, or whatever, or in mm-hmm. his security to make him feel better about what we've asked him to do. We're sending a soldier into war. You should care. You should care about that. And no, they're just like, yeah, they threw a cookie at Ellie and then they mm-hmm. don't give it any thought afterward. Like they don't question themselves and... Like you guys are so horrible. Instead, Bray just congratulates Danny on it. Like, <laughs> you are so horrible. Those two would make the worst parents ever. <laughs> She's so proud of herself, and he's so proud of her. And yeah. Ellie was so easily distracted. <laughs> oh my gosh! It would be funny if what Ellie want, was worried about wasn't a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. then it would be like. Kudos, Danny. You handled like that, that like a champ. But it is a big deal what Ellie has brought to their attention. And they're just like, whatevs. Can you imagine if someone had done that to Danny about the Bill of Rights? She would have had them assassinated. <laughs> have a cookie, Danny. Here. Just, you know, there you go. Fetch. Bray did. He tried to do it with his abs. Wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Not a good enough cookie. Yeah, no one wants an oatmeal cookie. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. Lex, I believe one thing shouldn't cause another thing pain, but it does. The cow eats the grass, the man eats a cow. That's what frightens me. You and I mean pain for Alice. Get round, Tyson. 
I feel like I'm falling, Lex. And I don't know where the bottom is, but I want to find out. So Tysan urges Lex to talk to Alice, but he doesn't want to hurt her and doesn't know where he stands with Tysan either. He tells her point blank that he doesn't want her to, doesn't want to be part of her games. Tysan does admit that she's falling for him, but she's frightened of causing Alice pain. So yeah, panel, um, what do you make of Tysan and Lex's growing feelings and obviously the implications for their friendship with Alice? You know, it's two sides of that coin. On one hand, mm. I am actually really happy for Alex, uh, it's for Tysan and Lex. Because of the way they're being very mature about how they're handling the thing between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually t- they're talking it out. They're being straight with each other. They're taking turns being vulnerable. Um, and, you know, they're being honest about what's going on and not getting defensive about how they feel about it. You know, Lex is very straightforward with Tyson, like how he feels about this. Tyson is being straightforward with Lex. There, There's a lot of mm-hmm. honesty and open communication. That is kudos to them. Brava. That doesn't make it right that they're finding ways to avoid telling Alice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not. It's not okay, you guys. Okay, I know you don't want to hurt her, but doing this behind her back ain't gonna fix that. You know, like you need this needs to be your first line of action before you figure out what's going on between the two of you. I get that. That's great. You do need to discuss what it is between the two of you. You cannot keep finding excuses not to tell Alice. You need to go tell her. I know that you don't want to tell her. I wouldn't want to tell her either. I wouldn't want to risk my friendship with her. I wouldn't want to hurt her. You have to tell her. Okay, guys? Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for it. Go freaking tell her. You don't have to do it together. Go tell her. <laughs> Frankly, you shouldn't do it together. <laughs> you should do it separately. <laughs> no, no, no. They should do it together. They should do it together. Yeah. Because that's ambushing Alice on an emotional level. It's already going to be hard enough to have to tell her what they have to tell her. If they do it as a team, that makes them, It's it, it really ambushes Alice. You know what I mean? And um, it can be emotionally manipulating to do that to somebody, you know, like she deserves to be able to deal with the two of them individually for the way they've hurt her, not feeling like they're, you know, emotionally stronger, that they're a team against her. That's not the proper way to do it. That sounds like a Mm -hmm. conference meeting. Like someone just says it and they're like, all right, wait here while someone else comes and talks to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, Tyson needs to face her friend one-on-one so that Alice can deal with her real feelings for what Tyson has done between the two of them as friends. And Lex has to do the same thing so that Alice has, she has the right to deal with Lex one-on-one when it comes to her feelings with him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's fair. It would be fair of them to ambush her as a team and, you know, tell her together like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you how this should go down for anyone going through this situation. Here's the blueprints. You always do this in public. That minus the the risk of anyone fighting. <laughs> so the casino is a great place for them to do this. <laughs> or just, not anywhere with a balcony. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> Especially now oh, with Alice. I mean, Tizan probably weighs like what one hundred pounds or something like that. Um, so anywhere public, that's foremost, right? Um, do something that Alice likes. You know, maybe. Does she drink alcohol in the show? Like some, well, she was selling like apple cider. So maybe get her, you know, a glass or two. (laughs) No, you don't get a girl drunk before you tell her something like that. I didn't say get her drunk. Just give her a glass or, well, actually that's a bad idea. Don't bring anything, (laughs) any hardware, no glass, paper cups only (laughs) when you talk to her. No plastic utensils. The important thing is just do it public. Do it public. 
either do it where everyone's at lunch and they're eating breakfast or whatever, or just do it at the casino. Mm. I think personally, I think public's worse. Please, people, don't listen no, to him. No, throwing no, this, not, oh, no, throwing this huge thing at her, two of her closest friends. No, 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 no. You do not make no. that public. You, you not just, everyone's going to be listening if it's in public. No, no I'm with Lance. That's like, you, it's just the same is you don't propose to someone in public if they're not expecting it. You do not put someone on the spot like that. You know what I mean? Like, cause you, you're manipulating them into behaving a certain way. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's one thing if you're going to meet someone that you feel is in danger to your life. That's the purpose yes. of it. No, no, no. This, no, no. This is their friend. Okay. And I honestly don't believe that she would get violent with either of them because even later after she finds about Tysan, she never once gets physical with mm-hmm. Tysan, no matter how angry she is at her and has every right to be angry at her. She doesn't get physical with Tysan once. And she only gets physical with Lex once. And he totally deserved it at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, so I, using that as an excuse, you think she'd get physically violent with you tells you tells me you didn't know her. You didn't know mm-hmm. your friend. You know, and at the same time, no offense, you don't do it publicly. That's just, that's even crueler. Yeah. Because if you do it publicly, you will not just be hurting her by what you're telling her. You will be embarrassing her in public with a, hey, look, I don't want you. I'm doing her instead. No, you, you don't do that. And as for saying nobody would be listening, they're mall rats. Everyone would be listening. Nobody wants to find out their partner or the person that they're into who they feel likes them back is messing around with or find out their best friend's lying to them on Instagram. You don't want to find out that way. Mm-hmm. That's where the, a lot of the anger it's amplified by that mm-hmm. humiliation, you know, yeah, by, the, it, by the public of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's amplified yeah. by the fact that you did, you showed the whole world this. I'm the last to know. And it's, like, is there no shame? Did you ever care about me? Again, you would feel like they're doing, they really don't care about my feelings at all. You know? And no, that, that would be a terrible way to do it. That would just be absolutely cruel, irredeemably cruel. Yeah. Well, there's no right way to go about it. You said there's a wrong way. That would be the wrong way. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's worse, there's worse ways. No, no, no. I would die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy that hill. No, seriously, though, I get that they're afraid of telling Alice and causing her pain. But I have to say, just about the scene, I'm, I was gladly surprised at how clear Lex was being with her. I don't want to be a part of any games, you know? He's clear to Tyson, and that's one of the things I actually think is a big improvement for Lex. Because before this, Lex had no issues with games. But in accounts, his feelings towards Alice as a friend, he's not going to do that. He he doesn't want to do that. I also think it says something about the fact that for one of the first times, it's not just about the physical act that he and Tysan shared. Yeah. Because he was totally fine with that being the only thing Tysan was going to give him. Like, he's like, that means she likes me. That's cool. That's awesome. As long as I can get it when I want it from her. That was mm-hmm. actually the, con- that was the contention between them. Because <laughs> he just thought he would have it on tap. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that's not how this worked. This time, while he was like, that was awesome. He's the, one of the first things he says to her that morning is, I know we had a connection. I know you felt it. We shared something special. And he's not talking about their bodies colliding, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that he'd be willing to walk away from this if she's not clear about how she feels. Because yeah. he's not going to be used that way by her 
you know, so I just think that's really great. From the very beginning of this relationship, they're very open with each other. You know, even if, you know, Tyson often needs a moment, she needs time to, like, she even tells him that. She tells him straight away, I need time. She doesn't lie to him about how she feels that next morning. She doesn't throw him away. She's like, I have to think about this. I have to put my thoughts in order. That's Tyson. Mm -hmm. Lex does things impulsively. Tyson likes to think on them. But once she has thought about it, she's straight with him about what conclusions she's come to. She tells him, I'm scared of, I'm falling. I'm afraid of falling. I'm afraid of the pain that's going to happen, not just to me, but to our mutual friend, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. but also being honest about the fact that she still wants it, you know, that's admitting a very selfish desire. Mm -hmm. She wants it despite the people who will be hurt. You know, it's a very human thing. So, uh, yeah, they have come such a long way as two human beings. And it's sadly because of Alice. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, Alice. Um, you made them both into better people and they found each other. You were the only one who didn't benefit from this. I'm really, really sorry about that. I really wish Alice would have found someone worthy of her. I'm forever Alice and Ryan, so... Mm-hmm. Yay. What? <laughs> <laughs> We've had this conversation before. It's Alison Ryan all the way. Um, <laughs> yep. I am very upset. It never happened on the show. Um, it should have happened. And yeah, uh, that's my my couple. <laughs> and we shall keep writing it forever and ever. <laughs> and on that happy note, that brings 39 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. If you'd like to take part in a future of the podcast, please do send us a message on our Facebook page. On our website thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for episode 40. Until then, bye. Bye. Later. Bye.